Cricket. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I still haven't gotten my breath back. And gasping for air beside me is Tony Kerr. Hey. Tony, what a day. (laughs) What a week. What a time to be alive. England are Cricket World Cup champions. How does that sound? It's mad. It is actually mad. (laughs) Surreal. Is this the, the pod you've been looking forward to most do you think in our 12 years of this nonsense it's the pod i never dared to dream would happen we hadn't started the pod had we for 2005 no no so we've so far overseen we've overseen a a world t20 victory but i think it's probably fair to say that this weekend uh, is the best thing we've seen is the pinnacle since we've been doing this well, I like the use of the word overseen there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we were somehow instrumental yeah I mean I'm happy to take the credit I mean Strauss has been getting a lot of credit for you know the, the masterminding of this mm. whole thing but you know I think we're sort of the two men behind Strauss <laughs> right yeah very much <laughs> the cackling puppeteers <laughs> behind Andrew Strauss's pulled head well yeah I, I guess yeah Strauss Bayless Farbrace Morgan Bayfield Bayless Bayfield you know it's it's pretty obvious, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah, there's there's an awful lot to talk about today, Tone. Um, I've, I've got a huge amount to say. I think you're going to have to just sort of crowbar your way in here because I could easily talk about this nonstop for about six hours. So, I mean, I might kind of throw to you occasionally for a comment. Um, so you, <laughs> you might just sort of you rang the doorbell and I went to open the door and you sort of muscled your way through the door straight onto the mic and just started gabbling. <laughs> Just before we start, we must just say that you've you've obviously got quite a lot going on in your life at the moment. This is true. A baby arriving at, literally at any moment, potentially. Potentially at any moment. I've got my phone here. I'm on call. Uh, should my partner go into labour, could happen at any moment. And that for a, for a while, I thought that it was going to happen on Sunday. You must have been so twitchy on <laughs> Sunday. We didn't watch it together because I think you probably would have. I mean. You'd have had a baby, but you probably wouldn't have seen much of it for its life if you'd just disappeared for 10 hours. Exactly. So, yes, I'm having a baby this week. I thought it was going to come on Sunday, you know, and it really would have been, you know, the best day of my life as it is. Sunday will still be the best day of my life. And then (laughs) one day this week uh, will be maybe the second best. At least Um, it'll be easy to remember when it was born. Or the year anyway, at least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just sort of count back from there. All right. Well, more baby chat to come, perhaps. But uh, let's uh, let's let's crack on with it. Then, I mean, wh- as I say, there's a huge amount to talk about tonight. But like, wh- what was that for you, Sam? What was that winning moment like? You mentioned we didn't watch it together. You've probably seen the video where I sent it to you. Posted it on Twitter as well. Uh, that that <laughs> Elena took of me uh, jumping around the living room like a twit. What? But what about you? How, what was your what was your experience of that moment like? Yeah, a lot of jumping, a lot of screaming, a lot of bemused looks from, uh, uh, yeah, my girlfriend who was in the room. Uh, yeah, there was a few of us. I've, I've never, 
watched a sporting event in which we've sort of people have been saying you know we're done so many times over the course of the day like every sort of few hours we're done now that's it it's over the cliff edge stuff at the end wasn't it it was kind of just like jumping out of a plane when uh or, or getting ready to jump out of a plane watching that last ball not that i've ever done that but mm. uh it's what i imagine it would feel like kind of just clenching everything and not knowing what's going to happen next i guess uh yeah it just the whole thing you know i was thinking like you know people often say you couldn't write you couldn't write that most of the time when people say that you literally could write it it's like you know you could write most things yeah I it's, just, it's what you a lot of the time with kind of sporting drama yeah. it's what you would write yeah, if yeah, you were exactly. writing a film of it yeah i don't but, think you know having watched a fair old whack of cricket in my life i i don't think anyone could have written it if anyone's got the unpublished manuscript of that final <laughs> lurking away somewhere dig it out because you you'd you'll be nostradamus for the rest of well, your, and you're, you're a your sort days. of narrative genius i mean that, yeah. that's kind of well that's it isn't it it's like uh you might have written it in terms of the drama or like the the, the seesaw, the ebbing and flowing of the game, the fact that, as you say, multiple times you thought England were out of it and then they came back and even going into the last over, four balls to go, still needing 15, it seemed impossible. You might have written, it becomes impossible and somehow they pull it off. But just the way that it happened yeah. with the ricochet off the, the bat. The chain of events. The the fact it was a super over that went to a tight, that, like you just couldn't have imagined it. You could, like people couldn't have come up with that possibility. So... It was pretty extraordinary. And it was, I mean, actually, it was an extraordinary afternoon of sport, wasn't it? Because uh, Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic in the Wimbledon final at the same time, I was flicking between channels like a maniac for a while. But in the end, I was like, I just have to watch the cricket. Um, I mean, arguably too much sport, but it must be one of the greatest ever afternoons of sport. And yeah, certainly one of the most incredible things that's, that's ever happened on the cricket field. And that final moment, I just, I've never really known anything like it, just uh, in terms of the, the, the raw emotion I mean, yeah, as I say, there's an awful lot to say about this. But the, the first thing I want to say, it kind of links to that, the experience of that moment and the fact that so many people in England shared that experience. I just want to talk about the fact that, you know, whatever else there is to say tonight and, and whatever you think about the result and, the, and that chain of events you're talking about, the way, that it played, the way that it played out, there is no doubt that what happened on Sunday is, it's like a, a massive moment for cricket in this country. And that is because... It was on free-to-air TV. It was on Channel 4. You know, it was... Uh, the viewing figures are in, I think it was, what, sort of upwards of, of 4 million people. Well, I think... It, yeah. And, and, on, on Channel 4 alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was obviously on Sky Sports, Cricket, Sky Main Event, Sky One, yeah. whatever. Sky Channel 9, 2, 3, yeah. something. Uh, so I think the combined audience was something like 9 million, I think. Right, okay. Uh, Which is massive. And, and I, I think it actually eclipses... I think the viewing figures they've said today eclipse Trent Bridge 2005, which I think was the high point of, of the Ashes 2005. So, I mean, that's that's astonishing, really, isn't it? And obviously, we've seen the scenes in Trafalgar Square. And it is it has become a big moment for the country. Like, it's people are talking about it. People are falling over themselves to talk to me about it. You know, friends, relatives, people at work, people who normally couldn't care about cricket in the slightest. It's just not on their radar are asking me what I thought about the cricket. And obviously I say to them, listen to the podcast. <laughs> I say, I'm not going to talk to you, but I put my finger to my lips and I point to my T-shirt, which says, if you want to know what I think about cricket, listen to my f***ing podcast. Um, but no, they want to talk to me about it. And they're also, and they're, they're mentioning names like Liam Plunkett. And I guarantee that if I, if, you know, they'd, they'd give me blank expressions if I said names like Jimmy Anderson or Alistair Cook. 
but they know who Liam Plunkett is. And uh, like, yeah, we've talked about this before. There's, a, you know, there's good arguments on both sides. And obviously Sky have done a lot of good for cricket, both the money they put in, the coverage is unparalleled. But at the end of the day, like it is just, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Like if people can watch it, it's a bigger deal. Like it's, 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 no, it's a bit of a no brainer. And so the fact that this has happened, it, it's a huge moment, or at least it creates a massive opportunity in this country to... You sound like a politician now. <laughs> in this country. In this country. Yeah, I mean, that, that needs to be capitalised on. I mean, yeah, millions of people have suddenly been reminded or made aware, made aware for the first time of what an unbelievably good sport cricket is. There's been an awakening. He's like, I have felt it. <laughs> um, so it could be like a watershed moment. I mean, it might not be if, if it's not capitalised on, but hopefully something will be done. You just, you've got to get it on free to air. And arguably this is what the ECB are trying to do with the hundred. But I think this shows that you don't need any of that other stuff. You don't need to mess about to fiddle about with the rules or the format or anything like that. Just show people cricket because it is, I mean, all right, this is, and we're going to go on to talk about this. This, you know, might be, uh, uh, might be a mistake to, to base your policy on anything around this game, because this is, this is pretty unique. And if it had just been a, one-sided contest or a pretty drab game like we've had quite a few of in this tournament up to that point you know it wouldn't be being talked about in the way that it is now but you know I do think just just show people cricket because at its best like this it's the best sport in the world isn't it and you know it's 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 kind of as simple as that yeah I think in terms of capitalizing on this it is quite delicate I don't think it's as cut and dry as some people are saying I don't I don't it is obviously, uh, you know, it's a huge explosion uh, in sort of terms. It's it's a it's a a cricket quake, isn't it? But there's so many complicated factors. I, you know, obviously, you know, the BBC aren't going to show the England away series in Bangladesh. They're not going to show a Test match or whatever. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, but definitely, hundred percent, England matches at World Cups, or certainly the business end of World Cup. They should, yeah, they they should those should be protected and those should be screened to more people. That's the fact. Yeah. That kind of showcase event. Yeah. Like in the same way that, you know, obviously the premier league in football is, you know, is on sky and BT, but when it comes to world cup and euros, you know, the England matches, well, the whole tournaments are on free to air, but certainly, you know, the, the, it's critical that the, the England games or the, you know, home nations games are screened. And yeah, in the same way, tennis is a good example as well. Yeah. You know, Wimbledon is protected, isn't it? So you always have some tennis once a year on free to air. And that creates its own problems because a lot of people in the, in this country uh, think that tennis begins and ends at Wimbledon. You know, I've got a colleague who books two weeks off every year to watch Wimbledon. But I'll be like, oh, do you, uh, do you see what happened in that US Open final? And she's like, what? No. It's like, well, you know, if you like tennis that much that you take two weeks off work to watch Wimbledon, I've got great news for you. There's a lot more of it. <laughs> but, you know, so that, that does create its own problems. But at least, you know, tennis is present, isn't it? Tennis is visible in this country, in this country, once a year at Wimbledon. And I think, I mean, I think Ali Martin, actually, in the journalist at the, in, at the Guardian, has been talking about this for quite a while. He's been arguing that you should have one test a summer, like the Lord's test every summer should be on free to air. As you say, you're not get, it's completely pie in the sky to think that you're going to get all cricket on free to air, but to have something once a year that is guaranteed just seems to make so much sense. And you think it would make sense for Sky as well. And this might be why it feels like the 
weather is changing a little bit, like the ground is shifting slightly because obviously Sky uh, allowed this to be on Channel 4. Like it was, they kind of, I don't know if they approached Channel 4 or Channel 4 approached them, but either way, Sky agreed to to share their coverage of the final with Channel 4. And you would think that it's actually in Sky's interest to do that, which is slightly counterintuitive in a way, but presumably what Sky want is more subscribers and people need to know that they want to watch cricket in order to make the decision to pay for Sky to watch cricket. So, you know, showing it to people occasionally and showing off the quality of their coverage as well. Because as I say, I think that the coverage of on of cricket on Sky is is maybe the best coverage of any sport in the world. And to kind of show off how good that is, you know, it just seems to be a win-win for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And there, there are other things wrapped into it. You know, people have already talked about participation, inspiration, you know, the next generation, all that kind of stuff. It sounded like a, an MC there. So <laughs> you're, you're MCing that bit. <laughs> uh, you know, it, there's so many complicated things. But yeah, that, it all stems from visibility, isn't it? And, and for there to be participation, there needs to be clubs. I think there's more complicated stuff related to that. It's more complications <laughs> with the participation. Yeah, but in terms of like how actually, if you want to get people playing cricket, Kerr, how you... And I'm here to say... Sorry, God. <laughs> I'm trying to make a serious point here, Adam. <laughs> uh, no, I was saying like how you, you know, how you make cricket fit into the modern person's life because, you know, it, that, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that are, are at play here. A lot of competing factors. So, I, uh, yeah. But it, this, is the, this is the start of something for sure. You know, who knows? You know, 2005, everyone said, well, this is what a watershed moment this is. And then quite literally the opposite happened. Yeah, it, yeah. it disappeared. So, you know, but that, hopefully that, we've yeah. learned, or, you know, the, the powers that be have, have learned from that situation. What do you say? That was a massive opportunity squandered because literally, like quite literally, that was the last cricket shown on free to air. The decision had already been made to move it to Sky. And so, you know, that was a huge missed opportunity. And there is an opportunity now. And all right, we're, we're still in the kind of, afterglow of that of that day and it could be that in a week two weeks a month's time people have forgotten about it you know people who aren't normally cricket fans you know this might just be a kind of um transitory thing but it is it's definitely an opportunity because there are undeniably you know millions of people who watched that on sunday who probably before that would have said that they had no interest in cricket you know my my i saw my mum earlier and she was she was saying like it was one of the best sporting moment she can remember and you know she's she doesn't dislike cricket but she would never normally watch it but and she said she actually said i had no idea what was going on but it was so <laughs> it was so exciting and you know well, well yeah we should probably move on from this shouldn't we but yeah it's a massive gift for the ecb uh you know you as we said you you just couldn't write this the tournament as a whole while there's been a few high points you'd say up to probably this point would if it had been a one-sided final, you'd be like, "Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been all right. It's been yeah, it's been passable." So to to get, as you say, the eyeballs on it, and then deliver possibly the greatest, possibly the greatest ODI of all time, possibly the greatest cricket match of all time, is a massive gift. Obviously, the Ashes coming up this summer as well to build on, and then you know whatever you think about the hundred, it, it actually. You know, this could feed into it quite nicely. Well, it, yeah, well, it, it is. It's a huge. You know, it's a, they gamble, then actually they might be. You know, they might be onto something here. It, well, it's a huge gift, and arguably it's a gift they don't deserve. But um, that's perhaps a conversation for another time. I mean, yeah, as you say, we should probably get into it. Let's let's go through what happened. Let's try and re- relive it all, Tone, step by step. So, um, New Zealand won the toss, of course, 
chose to bat, which was a, you know, would have been quite a difficult decision because uh, it was overcast. There was a thought that the ball might move around, but batting first has been the way in this tournament. England have struggled chasing, so that seemed like the right decision. It was a bit stop-start, but they ended up posting 241 for eight. Now, at that stage, Shane, I was pretty happy with that. I think New Zealand would have been quite happy with that as well, but I did think, you know, really, England have got to be confident of chasing that down. And I I also thought that England, England's bowlers did really well to restrict them. I thought every single one of the bowlers bowled superbly, you know, very kind of tight lines. Liam Plunkett, Maybe the pick of the bowlers, he took three wickets. And I mean, what a story that is. I know this is kind of well-trodden ground now, but Liam Plunkett, three wickets in a World Cup final. Obviously, he you know, first came into the England team, what, 12, 13 years ago, struggled, disappeared for a long time, but came back into the team, a kind of a different bowler, bowling in a different way, sort of four or five years ago. And, four, and he's been absolutely critical in this four-year cycle um, that has seen England become the best white ball team in the world. He's been such an important part of it taking wickets in those middle overs. They showed us that uh, during the game that he is the leading wicket taker in the world in the middle overs since the 2015 World Cup. And that's not a surprise. Yeah, it has. He just has such a knack for picking up key wickets. Could he do it in the power plays though? Come on, mate. I got into an <laughs> argument with someone on Twitter about this who was saying that, you know, good bowlers bowl at the, at the top and at the death. But I just think you're missing. Yeah, I think that's massively missing the point. Um, Someone's got to bowl the middle well, overs. And if you're the best bowler in the middle overs, that's... You know, it's a diff- an asset. It's a different role, and he's taking wickets. He's taking key wickets. He got Williamson out. You know, it's like, well, he got Williamson out, but he didn't do it at the death. So, what's the point? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I just slightly baffling to me. And he's 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 in some ways invented a new role there, hasn't he? Or at least expanded it because it you know a long time ago now, but it used to be that middle overs it was all about just bowling dry and keeping things tight and and while the batsman nerdled it around. But now you know Plunkett comes on bowls those cross seam deliveries gets batsman top edging and stuff. Anyway, it's extremely effective and I'm really pleased that he had a big impact in, in the final. I'm really pleased that Rashid had a big impact in the semi-final as well because they've both been key players over the last four years and yeah, it's nice to see them. You know, they're, they're slightly unsung compared to, you know, your Butlers and your, your Stokeses and it's nice that they um, that they did have big roles. So it was the England innings where the drama really started, wasn't it? So they, they got off to a pretty rocky start in their run chase, they lost Roy, Root and Bairstow early doors. And it got worse tone when Owen Morgan holed out to a phenomenal catch from Lockie Ferguson in the outfield. Could be out, could be out, is out, could be spectacular. Now, at that point, I thought it was gone. That was the first moment where I thought this is gone. They were, what, 80, 87 for four? 86 for four. 86 for four. What did you think? Was it? Did you think it was gone at that point? Uh, I think it was. I thought it was slipping a bit earlier. That I, I mean, no. I, yeah, that that was the moment though where you thought, "Crikey, it's a long way away, isn't it?" The, the total at that point. And you know, having said that, England, England's bowlers obviously did fantastically well. You know, I, I think you'd have said two forty-two to win it. You'd have bitten your hand off, uh, or bitten anyone's hand off for that. At, you know, at the start of the tournament. And you know, when you look at what happened in the semi-finals. You know England's bowlers against Australia on top, and then and the batsman came out and knocked it off quite easily. So you know at that stage you were like, well, you, you know maybe England will make a you know smooth job of this. Roy and Bairstow, you know another stellar start, but it didn't happen. And then when you sort of watched Root particularly struggle, uh, you know not a player who usually struggles to get going, you sort of thought, well, this could be a really tough couple of hours, a really <laughs> tough watch. Yeah. 
And then it was a fantastic catch from Ferguson. And, you know, the, the catching of the tournament has been, with the exception of, of a couple of teams, has been stunning, hasn't it? But yeah, that, that moment, I think, you know, you thought it's suddenly England's long batting lineup. You're thinking, Who's, who have we got left? You know, I was a bit worried at that point. But then England fought back with a, an excellent partnership from Joss Butler and Ben Stokes. And to begin with, they kind of accumulated slowly and then gradually Butler began to accelerate and the, the required run rate just started to come down. But then Butler was caught on the boundary with England still needing 40-odd to win. Now is there a chance? Is there a chance? Is there a twist? The catch! It's Tim Selby, the subfielder! So it fell to Ben Stokes to try to uh, steer them to the target. He took it into the final over. He didn't try and go too big before that. Left himself 15 to win off Trent Bolt, which, again, I thought it was got. I didn't think that was going to be possible, and especially when the first two balls of that over were both dots. Uh, I really didn't think it was going to happen. 15 from four, I just thought, yeah, this is all over. Um, I was beginning to, you know, pack up my things and go upstairs to bed for a long cry. Uh, but then he hit a six. And then one of the most incredible things I have ever seen, I was going to say in sport, but in my life, uh, when hits it out to the, the fielder on the boundary, comes back for a second run. The throw comes in. Goes again. Can he give the strike away? This is a big moment. They've got to run. They go to the other end. Oh, he gets in the way. This has got to go all the way to the boundary off the bat. Can you believe this? It has. It ricochets off his bat and goes away to the boundary for four. Plus the two they ran gave them six. So suddenly they only needed three to win from the final two balls. There were two run outs coming back for the second run. The second run out meant that the game was tied. We then went into a super overtime, so the drama increased. England batted first this time. They got 15 in their super over. Joffre Archer stepped up to bowl. And again, I thought it was gone when Jimmy Neesham hit a six. But it all came down to Martin Guptill off the final ball needing two. And well, the, the rest is history, really, isn't it? Two to win. Guptill's going to push for two. They've got to go. It's got to throw. It's got to go to the keeper's end. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. By the barest of all margins. Jason Roy with the throw. Butler takes off the bales to spark absolute carnage. Jubilation as England ran around the outfield. I mean, it was just, it was astonishing really, Tone, wasn't it? Truly astonishing. Yeah, the the chain of events. I mean, Bolt stepping back over the boundary when it looked like... Yeah, I didn't even mention that. ...taking it comfortably. And then, you know, that was amazing. You know, sort of, there's so many clutch moments at at the death, but, you know, Bolt, when he realised he'd put his foot on the rope, sort of just collapsed and... You know, it was already that moment was yeah, already gone. And his his face is like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. a nice moment as well. That's like Martin, treading on the cat. <laughs> that Martin Guptill signals six. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was quite nice. Uh, we'll come on to New Zealand in a moment because yeah. uh, you know, legends. Yeah, really. But uh, yeah, and then as you say, that that just the the passage of play at that point, uh, you just didn't know what was what was happening. Really, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't. I, well, I don't think I've ever seen a ball ricochet off a bat for four i can't remember it happening in my in my viewing time and certainly not with whatever it was nine needed Mm. uh you know in the final over for world cup at lords when england are chasing i mean it was just like something happened there that it was a a glitch in the matrix well i I think williamson said it was kind of written in the stars like it did just feel a bit like 
divine intervention to make sure that England won. I mean, there's obviously, there's been some confusion around what the rules are there and whether the umpires got the rules wrong. And we'll come back to talking about that. But either way, there's no denying it was extraordinarily lucky on England's part. Like they, I mean, who knows? With If that hadn't gone for the extra four runs, they'd have needed seven from two, which is obviously tough, but Stokes would have played different shots. You never know, he might have hit a six next ball. But the balance of probability is that England don't win the game without that moment. And that's, you know, that's just such that's a punch insane. in the gut. Don't win the game, don't win the tournament. Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. Don't win the World Cup. But that that final, final moment in the Super Over, uh, the winning moment, two things that I want to say about that, both about just the holding your nerve, like the the bottle of first Jason Roy to pick up the ball. And if you if you watch it back, he picks up the ball and there's a, there's a, sl- there's a, half a second where he pauses to take aim and just the, the presence of mind to do that, to, to back yourself, to do that. Like, you know, obviously this is one of the many reasons why I'm not an international <laughs> sportsman, but if I was in that situation, I'd just fling it in as quickly as possible. He pauses to take aim and make sure he gets the throw right. And then Butler to gather and take the stumps off. With one know. with one hand as well. You know, it, it, yeah, it was a great throw, obviously at the moment, but it still left Butler a little bit to do. I think there's genuine greatness in both of those two things, just under that pressure in that moment. It's it's incredible. And there'd been a misfield, hadn't there? Uh, was it a couple of balls? Was it the ball before? Yeah, Roy, Roy misfielded, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, to, to pick it up cleanly, to deliver the throw pretty much close to perfection, and then, for yeah, as you say, for Butler to gather. I mean, that's nuts. That is nuts. <laughs> and, and actually credit as well to New Zealand, when, you know, when the game looked like it might be slipping away, there was, was it two runouts in a row? Both times the the ball perfectly delivered into Bolt, who you know caught it cleanly and, and took the bells off. It was kind of like, yeah, from both sides, amazing, yeah, amazing level of yeah, kind of, of, of kind of yeah, focus at, at the day. Steely nerve, yeah. So I, I, I'm aware, possibly, you know, obviously, we're England fans. Maybe non-England fans listening to this might get a bit have switched off. <laughs> might have switched off. So apologies for that. And we are going to come on, as you say, to talk about New Zealand and, and to talk about more of the kind of cricketing details, but. Just to start with, I just want to talk about that moment because, as I said at the top, I've just I've never experienced a moment like that before, both as a fan, but also like as a fan of the team that won, but also as just a kind of sporting thing. And I was trying to compare it to other sporting moments that I've witnessed. And obviously, you know, I'm only going back to sort of early '90s in terms of sports that I sport that I remember recency bias it tends to be things in the last you know five ten years that you do remember but the only things that i could come up with the aguero moment in the 2012 premier league but i'm not a man city fan but as a neutral that was an incredible moment i imagine if you're a man city fan that would have been a similar kind of feeling uh, i was thinking about super saturday london olympics 2012 particularly mo farah on the home straight where he starts to pull away like I, another moment where i was leaping around the living room like an idiot and in term, in cricketing terms, the other thing that it compares to for me is Edgbaston in 2005 and the the final moment, you know, the Jones, Bowden, that I think is a, a similar moment in terms of kind of ecstasy. And I think they, those two things will probably end up being on a par in my memory. But this one, this World Cup one might be very fractionally below that in terms of how much it matters to me. I mean, England winning the World Cup matters a huge amount to me, but just going back at that time, England not having won the, the Ashes that I remembered and against that Australian side, like in terms of how much that mattered, 
that might still be very slightly ahead, but it might even, this one might even be fractionally above it in terms of drama because, yeah, just that sequence of events that we're talking about is just jaw-dropping. It was a, an, an incredible illustration of the of what sport can do, just the, the kind of pure emotion, the like exquisite emotion of, of sport. There's nothing else like it in life, is there? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and as you, I think it is the sequence because it's not just a single moment. It was it was several moments stitched together. It's like rolling 10 sixes in a row, isn't it? It's like, it, it's just sort of implausible. And every moment seemed to be more implausible than the one that kind of came before it. And then, yeah, uh, as, as you say, just extreme drama. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, 2005 Edgbaston is the only other cricket thing that compares to that. There's probably two football moments Beckham versus Greece, the free mm, kick. Yeah. It's those kind of moments one, where yeah. it's like, it's literally this or nothing. Yeah, now or never. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the other expression, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> this or nothing. Uh, and then the other one, and the the other one, probably from last year, the the penalty shootout against Colombia. Yeah. Only because it was just it's so implausible that England would win a penalty shootout, and it, and again that one looked over until it wasn't. So mm. yeah, I can't think I can't think of another sort of. It's certainly not that's generated that response from mm-hmm. from me. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot. Of, you've mentioned this already. A lot of people have been quite quick to describe it as the greatest game of cricket of all time. What do you think? Is it the best game ever? I mean, you know what my memory's like. <laughs> uh, it, certainly, the best game you've seen in the last few weeks. I mean, it, it'll go down as yeah. It, it's always going to be in the conversation. I, I really enjoyed uh, Andy Zaltzman's uh, stat about you know. The likelihood of a super over in a World Cup final, I think, is one every four hundred years. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't. It was like the super over of super overs. Because if when he should hit the six in the super over, I was like, it's over. And then I just thought, well, he's going to hit the next one for six, and then we'll be we'll be going yeah. home. But uh, yeah, the sort of super over of super overs, and I, I don't know how you beat that really. Well, presumably, I, would, I mean, if it's one every four hundred years that you'd get a World Cup final that ends with a super over. To get a World Cup final that ends with a super over that ends with a tie after the super over must be one every what ten thousand years or something. Yeah, and then you factor in it. Well, as England fans, you factor in England being in that, it being at Lords, it being such a likable England team, it being such a you know an awesome New Zealand team. It'll be it'll, there'll be a Bible, a testament written about this. Yeah, I mean, if you regularly listen to this podcast, you'll be aware that I'm I'm not normally a fan of hyperbole and i do like to be cautious perhaps uh unnecessarily cautious about you know declaring anything to be the best you're anything. a naysayer exactly that's <laughs> the other way of putting it yeah killjoy <laughs> and you know going back to the start of the tournament you know with everyone saying the stokes catch the best catch of all time and i just think like that's mental to immediately declare it the best catch of all time but <laughs> i do think this game at the very least has to be up there because it's the fact that it's the world cup final you know, they're, they're, I can think of a few other games with perhaps similar drama. The, the first ever 400 game, Australia, South Africa, back in, what was it, 2006 or 2007? I mean, that was astonishing. The, the, again, Australia, South Africa, the 99 World Cup semi-final, obviously that's a moment that will live forever. But this was the final. And so like in pure drama terms, it's up there, but also the fact that it's the World... But then you add in the fact it's the World Cup final. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, actually... Having said that, you could argue uh, in sort of pure cricketing terms that for quite a while, it wasn't that good a game. Like it was, if you strip away all the context, 
it was pretty attritional, wasn't it? I mean, Colin de Grondon bowled 10 overs for 25. Like it, what, there wasn't a huge amount happening on the field. But the thing is, you can't strip away all that context. And it was the fact that it was the pressure and the tension of the World Cup final that was making that happen. And then it all built to that finish, which is just, you know, one of the most dramatic sporting things I've ever seen. So, yeah, I think, you know, perhaps we'll revise this opinion one day, but I, I think it probably is the best ODI ever. Yeah. We should talk about New Zealand, I reckon. By some distance, second favourites coming into the final. What an unbelievable effort to get as close as they did. Well, actually, to get so close that arguably they didn't even <laughs> win it, lose because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a tie and the tiebreaker was a tie. Well, actually, hang on, let's put a pin in New Zealand. What did you What did you make of that whole thing? The fact that you know ultimately England won because, as I say, the game was tied, the Super Over was tied, so they won because they scored more boundaries than New Zealand. And this has been fairly controversial. What do you think? Is that is that a fair way to, to determine the winner? I mean, is it fair? I don't think it's fair on New Zealand. It wouldn't be fair on anyone. I mean, it is, it's, it's unbelievably harsh. I mean, there has to be a winner. I don't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know. I, I'm trying to record. I had, had a few beers by this point. <laughs> uh, there was quite a lot of chat flying around. Uh, you know, I don't know how early on it was said that I, I, don't, I don't know going into it I certainly wouldn't have known yeah, that that you, would be yeah. the differentiator certainly pre-match I had no idea that was a differentiator and this is where it gets a bit tricky because people have said well oh well those are the rules yeah and they knew the rules and they signed up to them which is true but I don't think anyone really knew the rules <laughs> anyone apart from the person no. who wrote the rule knew what that rule was because it was so unlikely that it would be needed and when I heard the when I heard the commentators talking about you know boundaries scored I thought they meant in the super over right which would kind of make more sense to me although I suppose there's more of a chance then that that would also be true level one thing to say is that it always used to be wickets remaining didn't it like p- before super overs if there was a tie and they had to have a tiebreaker um it would be which team had lost fewer wickets in which case New Zealand would have won if that was the tiebreaker. I mean, you wonder though, would that change how, uh, I, I don't know, I don't, did Ben Stokes know that was going to be, was that the case in the 49th, 50th overs of the normal innings that it was going to come down to boundary scored? I don't know if it was going to come down to wickets taken, would you have a different approach? Would you try and run those twos at the end and and have, you know, two run outs right at the death? I suppose... Uh, or would you just slot? I mean, hypothetically, you could argue that. <laughs> I'm just imagining Ben Stokes arguing that. But I don't it, think anyone really a, knew that. Was, it's a, such an infinitesimally small chance that that's what it's going to come down to. That I think it would be slightly mad to kind of for Ben Stokes to have factored that into his thinking at any point. So I, I, I don't really buy that. But yeah, I think ultimately those are the rules. So I don't think you, you can't change the rule on the fly. So you know, New Zealand just kind of have to suck it up, which they have. Like, it's, not, yeah. it's certainly not New Zealand players uh, that are complaining about this. Some people have said, could it not just have been shared? And um, My mum made this point because <laughs> she's just nice and doesn't want anyone to lose. In some ways, that's the logical thing to do because it, it isn't really fair. If it is if it is a tie and the tiebreak is a tie, well, in a way, it's I like, think, well, no one deserves to lose this. But I, I, think I mean, it can't go on forever, but... be a bit unsatisfying. At some though, point... Yeah, uh, maybe you just have to have another super over. I, I mm. don't know. Uh, I mean, I think for me, ultimately, obviously, I'm not uh, not upset about the result because I wanted England to win. So perhaps that blinds me to it. But I don't. I, I, it, it's no less arbitrary than any other measure to break the tie. And ultimately, I do think England deserve to win the World Cup because 
they thrashed New Zealand 10 days earlier. Like you, they could have just as easily said, well, the, to break the tie, we'll, you know, what was the result in the group stage? Who finished above who in the group stage? Again, England would have won. You know, I think over the course of the whole competition, England were the better team. So in that sense, it's not unjust that they've won the tournament. But you do really have to feel for New Zealand because they didn't deserve to lose and they were staggeringly unlucky. Some umpiring decisions as well, you know, an LBW, Jason Roy, first pool that could very, very easily have been given, perhaps should have been given. And then obviously the ricochet. Uh, it has to be said, as you, you pointed out, you know, the New Zealand camp couldn't have handled it any better. Uh, it seems like a lot of the uh, the finger pointing and the, you know, just the 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 mischief making has been coming from the Australian media, which like, you know, Fair enough. Like, yeah. I don't, I, you know, don't blame them either because it's a good talking point. And it's a good story. Well, so. and England fans probably can't, you know, turn around and be like, oh, keep out of it, Aussies, when we've, you know, a lot of England fans spend the last year making jokes about sandpaper. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's it, all it part is what of it, it is. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, you're right. And yeah, the overthrows themselves. Yeah, that's been, you know, see, Taufel's come out and said, you know, the umpire's got it wrong. Now, I know you've been studying the the laws. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, um, I, I I I wonder whether you've got it wrong as well, though. Okay, so just just to clarify what what the controversy is, Simon Taufel, obviously uh, former well, multiple times ICC Umpire of the Year, um, has come out and said that he thinks the umpires on the field got it wrong. That the ricochet that that goes to the rope, they gave that a six runs. That it should have been five runs because in the letter of the law. It says the batsmen have to have crossed when the throw comes in, when the, you know when the fielder throws it, in order for that run that they're in the process of taking to count as well. And if you look, they hadn't actually crossed when the throw comes in, so they should have just got the one run that they'd completed and the four when the ball goes to the rope. So it should have been five, not six. Now I'm yeah, I think there's two issues here okay, for me. On. Well, yeah, one is the is the the throw or the act as it's described in the the laws have you, have you got them yeah i can i can bring it up so what the rule says is if the boundary results from an overthrow or from the willful act of a fielder the runs scored shall be any runs for penalties awarded to either side and the allowance for the boundary and the runs completed by the batsman together with the run in progress if they had already crossed at the instant of the throw or act See, my interpretation of that, though, yeah, is the throw. is a, It's either a throw or by act, I assume, my or my interpretation is that they mean, like, if the fielder kicks the ball, mm. it's sort of, because I guess throw, you can body part, you could head it, I suppose, if you <laughs> <Yeah>. wanted. <laughs> See, anything know. that would have been more surprising <laughs> in the World yeah. Cup final. Josh uh, Butler had headed Jason Roy's throw onto the stump. Yeah. Uh, oh no! From from the fielder though, had the fielder right. headed the ball for four, which or, right. which would be you know astonishing in its own right. But mm. uh, but the other the other part of it is that people have said, well, if that's the case, then it would have been Rashid on strike. But I don't I don't see how. I think you could maybe you could interpret that to say, well, the sixth run shouldn't be given, or well, the second yeah. run run yeah. shouldn't have been given. But I don't see how you could then say that Stokes wouldn't have been on strike because. They, they they made their ground. They weren't out. You could, yeah. It would, I think you said it would be one short, or it'd be it would just yeah. be one. You know, they wouldn't just give the second run, but it the, would be 
it would be treated the same as if it was one short. Yeah, Stokes would have to be on strike. In which case, what what, what was the? Well, in which case they would have needed four off two rather than three off two. And Stokes would have dumped it in the crowd for six and would have been denied the super over. So. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it's the thing that you just don't know what would have happened. The rest of it would have played out differently. So it doesn't mean that you can go, oh, well, we should, you know, hand the trophy to New Zealand then. And not least because also there is in every game of cricket, there are runs that should or should not have been awarded. I'm sure if you uh, put a camera on the batting crease you'd see a lot of one short that is not given you'd also see a lot of nobles that are not given or nobles that are given that shouldn't be you know I don't think you can sort of uh, rake back through every game of cricket and start you know awarding extra runs or taking runs away that is what the umpires decided at the time it's very unfortunate if you see it obviously it's incredibly unfortunate that it happened at all my my thing my issue with Talfa's interpretation is just what does act mean in that wording that is the act in this situation the throw or is it the moment the ball hits the bat and goes off because would an act also be if the ball hits the stumps and deflects off for four because that happens and I've never ever seen them you know ask the third umpire to see if the batsmen have crossed or not and all right you know it might be that that might it might well be that Talfel's right and who am I to argue with Simon Talfel I would say the law needs to change if that's the case I've just said before well it is the law so you need to uh, suck it up but I, I don't think that law really makes any sense if that if that is what the law is I mean to be honest scrap the whole law it should be a dead ball <laughs> yeah I like, was gonna say that would be the easy way to clear I it don't up. know why it's not a dead ball and yeah exactly and as you say it is a sort of you you can't go back and and, and scrutinize every you can scrutinize things but you you can't begin to speculate on what the outcome would be if you change that thing it's the sort of cricket butterfly effect isn't it yeah like one run at the start of an innings can change the course of history well exactly yeah so yeah well it's the same in football when people are like oh well you know uh i don't know england drew one all uh but they had a goal disallowed for offside in the first minute that actually was an offside so they should have won 2-1. It's like, well, if that goal had gone in, it would have been a kickoff rather than a goal kick and the whole match would be different. You know, it, it, you can't do that. It doesn't work like that. Anyway, either way, unbelievably unfortunate for the Kiwis. And I imagine the whole world was rooting for them. You know, everyone outside of England, I'm sure, wanted them to win, not just because everyone hates England, but also because, you know, this New Zealand team is such a likeable team, aren't they? And, and obviously, particularly... Uh, or uh, personified by the leader, Kane Williamson. Lovely Kaney, as I've started calling him. I mean, he's just a genius, isn't he? A true great in his batting, uh, his leadership, and just the way he conducts himself. Uh, we've mentioned this already, but the 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 good grace with which he, he took that, you know, that misfortune, which would have devastated or <laughs> made extremely irate a lot of people a lot of other captains of other teams perhaps you know he just took it on the chin and you know that's that's an example for everybody not just in in cricket but in life I think yeah uh, and you know and he's not alone in that that New Zealand team though there's some you know it would appear some some cracking guys and lovely Trenty yeah lovely Lockie lovely Marty lovely Jimmy yeah just uh, yeah i've seen a few kiwis as well posting on- online uh sort of friends who've, who've just said like you know never never well, and, and to be fair the list is quite long of things to be proud of about new zealand but you know sort of saying like you know never been more proud to to be a new zealander and, and certainly in terms of sporting sense like yeah that sense of sportsmanship and uh and humility and uh and ability as well because they, they you know 
to get for, for New Zealand to get to two or to get to back to back World Cup finals and and you know arguably should have won one of them. You know when you think India haven't been in the last two World Cup finals, that's mm. just ludicrous. Well, they also beat India, you know, in in the semi final of this one, and and it just really can't be overstated. I don't think how, just how remarkable it is. You know, when you take a step back. India's population is 275 times the size of New Zealand's and cricket is a you know is a religion in India cricket cricket is not even the most popular sport in New Zealand obviously rugby union you know dominates in the way that, that football does in in the UK so yeah there's there's very little logic to it you know you just have to give so much credit to the players to Williamson to the coaching staff to the you know whatever system it is that they've got in place that is that is doing this because it's it's not a fluke is it as you say two in a row it's extraordinary. Yeah, the mentality. I mean, I guess you could argue that the, the two, the well, the last two World Cups have been in favourable conditions for New Zealand. But yeah, they played them fantastically and they've produced so many brilliant moments. You know, Williamson, player of the tournament, uh, you know, it's sort of, I was going to say tough to argue with that. We probably will later on in the, in the, in the pod. But, uh, you know, you, would, you wouldn't argue they didn't deserve it. And Bolt, as you say, Lockie Ferguson's had a fantastic tournament. The fielding has been yeah, extraordinary. Uh, and, and, you know, they ripped Tindir apart in that semi-final. And, you know, you know, obviously that was quite a good game as well. I, mean, I didn't see it live. Uh, just, you know, there were some moments in that game as well that were, were pretty, you know, Nisham's catch uh, off Kartik. Mm. I'm arguably, I think, the catch of the tournament. Wow. For me. Above Stokes. I think above Stokes, Above yeah. Fran Wilson. <laughs> yeah, above them all. Well, I, and actually, yeah, that, that you're talking about fielding and amazing moments and that would be one, but... For me, that what one of the things that will stand out most in my memory from this World Cup is that gut till run out of Dhoni. I mean, the commentators afterwards, you know, Ganguly and Man- Mandraka and Co were saying, you know, that was the moment. That's that's what won it for New Zealand, and I think they would have won anyway because I, I really couldn't see Dhoni. They still needed quite a few runs. I couldn't see Dhoni doing it, but it did in some ways kind of sum up the game, didn't it? It was it was just an absolute bullet throw that that took out India's last hope. And yeah, it was, a, as I say, genuinely iconic moment. And extraordinary as well that, yeah, Guptill should be the man to, to do that. And then it's his throw that gets deflected down off Stokes' bat in the final. It's like... You and know, then he's run out off the last ball. Of yeah, the Supreme, just the yeah. sort of, you know, the margins, the, uh, the moments. I think, yeah, his face after the deflected four will stay with me for a while. In fact, two faces, his face at that deflector four, the sort of just bemusement. And also, I don't know who the third leg, third leg, who the square leg umpire was for the Guptill run out. <laughs> 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 it's been a long week. Yeah. <laughs> don't, know what been, Harris song. don't know what you've been up to uh, <laughs> since I last saw you, but Jesus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess because, you know, he was the third leg empire. I don't know. But anyway, his face, uh, just, yeah, who was it? I don't know. What, in the final? No, in the semi-final, the, the square leg umpire. I don't when know. When Guptill ran out. It was just like a fantastic, just like, as he went to, uh, you know, as you referred upstairs. Right. It was just like the utter, just like, you could sort of, it was writ large across the mm. face. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. What's next? <laughs> What's next? Tell well, me something else. We'll move on to England, but yeah, just just you, you can't really say enough about New Zealand and you can't say enough about Williamson. Uh, New Zealand's finest export since Flight of the Concords, Kane Williamson. 
Uh, well, let's let's move on to talk about. And, uh, sorry, just one last thing. Uh, you know, and as well, you know, come on, they've got the World Cup rugby like yeah wrapped up, and they've won it loads. So yeah, you know, just leave, leave yeah. yeah, leave it out. Our we sympathy like you, only but, yeah. goes so far. Yeah, exactly. that's probably fair. So let's move on to talk about England then. World champions. They the players as they were kind of uh, tearing around the outfield celebrating. There have been. You know, there've been a lot of emotions, a kaleidoscope of emotions. I, I would imagine. I suspect one of them is relief. Actually, had it not been for that, you know, for that dramatic sequence of events, had they, if they'd just won the World Cup in a quote unquote normal fashion, I think mostly they would have felt relief because they've played immense cricket for the last four years, changed the whole narrative around limited overs cricket in England, made themselves, I think, unquestionably the best team in the world. Well, best team in the world by rankings but I think yeah you know definitely the best team in the world but had they not won the World Cup I mean it's Atherton made this point on commentary had they not won the World Cup it wouldn't have uh, devalued what they've done over the last four years but in some ways it would have been for nothing because certainly the wider public wouldn't have cared wouldn't have noticed how well they played but even England cricket fans you know it would have it would have just been a massive missed opportunity wouldn't it so they came in as favourites had they not won it on home soil, you know, it's perhaps easy to forget now, given what happened in that final, but it, it would have felt like a bit of a an opportunity lost. So, you know, this this moment, I think, kind of validates the cricket that they've played for the last four years. I don't know. What do you think about that? Did, it, do you, did you feel some relief that they did pull it off? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, the, the narrative around all English sport is, you know, they're going to choke or well, not, not choke maybe it's not the right word but yeah, yeah. There, there is the, there is that narrative you know in England have been in World Cup finals before obviously going back to 92 and you know it was like what what could have been the, the you know what if it's all those kind of things isn't it and so to, to, yeah to do it as you say relief particularly as the way the tournament progressed you know I was very worried ahead of the India game in the group stages uh, I thought we were cooked but and, and for that for that reason Jason Roy is my man of the tournament mm. uh, and because you, you just you kind of think without Roy, England don't win the World Cup. They probably don't get out of the group stage. Yeah, the pivotal player in the team that went on to win it. I, I actually agree with you. He's my man of the tournament as well. And because it just, he completely changed the attitude, didn't he? The, the, the feeling around the England team, Roy coming back in for that India game, they comported themselves like a team that thought they were going to win, which they didn't against Australia. And actually talking about this thing of England bottling it in all sports at various tournaments. Actually, last time we did a pod, we were talking about that fact because they just lost to Sri Lanka, just lost to Australia. The question was, you know, have they blown it? And they look really nervous against Australia. And then Roy comes back in and that all changes. And there, there were no nerves after that. Possibly yeah. in the final to some extent, but certainly not in those in India, New Zealand games in the group stage or the semi-final. That's it. And, you know, yeah, against India, he scored 66. New Zealand, 60. You know, both must-win games. 85, as, you know, England kind of, you know, pretty comfortably chased down Australia in the semi. So, yeah, uh, yeah I just think absolutely pivotal. And, you know, England, the England team is, yeah, it's filled with, as we said in our preview, you know, you know they're, they're all making massive contributions to what this England team is. You know, Joffre Archer to bowl the, the super over, you have to be given a wide first ball. You know, that's an you know, unbelievable bottle and, a, you know, an amazing story in itself. It stokes the, the sort of, you know, like redemption is probably, I don't know if it's, you know, the right word, but, Certainly, you know, for him to be back at the forefront for doing the right things is is pretty special. You know, Joss Butler's contribution, Owen Morgan's contribution, Rashid, Wokes. Plunkett. 
best. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, missed but, anyone? Moeen. But this is a point though, isn't it? It's actually everybody contributed, which I don't think is something you could say about any other team in the tournament, even New Zealand. They did have players, Guptill uh, and others, who, who didn't have much impact. Well, pretty much everybody did for England, certainly in that, that first 11. Talking about Stokes, like you know, Tone, that I've, in the past, I've, I've, thought that Stokes might be a bit overrated you know it's, it's in a way it's no criticism of him but just the way he gets talked about as though he is a kind of uh, world-class once-in-a-generation player well you know we ha- hadn't necessarily seen that we'd seen glimpses of it and he hadn't necessarily delivered on the biggest stage well you know he undeniably did deliver on the biggest stage of all. So it's... Yeah, and I just, uh, you know, uh, the, the sort of images as well, or, the, you know, the deliveries, which almost sort of, you know, Stokes was basically knocking himself off his feet trying to mm. get the ball away, will kind of stay with me for a long time. Because it was just like, it was kind of like he was caught in a war zone. It was, it was you know, everything was happening. You know, he was physically, kind of mentally giving everything. He had dirt all down the yeah. front of his shirt. He, you know, he was charging, you know, charging in for the runs, you know, throwing himself around, getting knocked over. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it was no means a sort of a clean, uh, clean finish, was it? It, no. was, it was, it was scrappy. It was, but, it yeah. was gutsy. Yeah. And he put it all on the line for his country, in this country. Um, and you mentioned Joffre Archer. I mean, he was playing, was it his 14th ODI he was playing? Uh, and asked to bowl that super over 24 years of age. I mean, as you say, he bowled a wide first ball. Possibly shouldn't have been a wide. It was very close, but... that You know, if you've listened to the podcast a while, that was exactly what I was going for in that, that Authors CC match. When, I, was, <laughs> when I, I bowled three absolutely perfect wide Yorkers, all given wide. And the, the over ended up lasting like 18 deliveries. Yeah, although in fairness, your absolutely perfect wide Yorkers had bounced three times <laughs> by the time they got to the guy. Like episode 300, go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it before, for that story. Um, yeah, but like, how the hell did he... Did he hold his nerve? Well, I mean, actually, arguably, he didn't quite because he, if you look, if you watch it again, he does miss his length a bit. Um, obviously, Nisham hits the six and then even the remaining balls. He's going for Yorkers, I think, and he's not quite getting it right, but he obviously did just enough that they that they couldn't get it away. And he's obviously not bowling length or, you know, nice kind of juicy full tosses. So it was good enough. But I mean, yeah, there was, there was you know, there was, of course, some debate before the tournament about whether he should be brought in. You know, obviously been kind of fast-tracked in, in terms of uh, qualification. I think there was a lot of nonsense spoken on both sides of that debate. In the end, we both felt that it was the right call, and you'd have to say that it was the right call, given what happened. Yeah, uh, England won the World Cup. He performed fantastically well throughout. So, uh... yeah, I, well, it's another, like, you couldn't have written it moment, except this one, you probably would have written that if you were writing the Joffre Archer story, wouldn't you? So as we say, England benefited from some enormous slices of luck, but on balance, I think they deserved to win the World Cup. They obviously had that big wobble in the in the middle of the group stage where, yeah, they lost to Sri Lanka and Australia, but they bounced back to, to beat India, beat New Zealand, beat Australia in successive games, and then, you know, just about hold their nerve in the final. In fact, they obviously hammered Australia, didn't they, in, the, in that semi-final? It was a complete annihilation. And what really pleased me about that and against India and New Zealand in the group stage was that they kind of backed themselves to play the cricket that had got them to number one. And I felt that against Sri Lanka and Australia in those defeats, they kind of moved off that and were a bit nervy and trying to play conservatively. And they didn't do that. Um, and yeah, particularly in that semi-final, they they just bossed it. 
you know, to deal with the pressure to to recover to get through the wobble as you say and to do it in the way they did it yeah i, I don't think there's any arguments really what's next for england we had this tweet saying from a, a massive fan of the show called gordon mccray uh, i said something about england winning the world cup and he said but what does it all mean for the future yeah well i mean england are favorites we for the next here? world cup for sure <laughs> Uh, I don't it. care. I think we just retire cricket at this point. Well, this is this is for anyone listening for the first time. Yeah, this is something we've talked about that commentators in in all sport like don't really know what to do. Don't really know how to talk about things in the aftermath of a of a World Cup victory. When France won the football World Cup last year, the question was put in the post match analysis. You know, what does this mean for the future? And the answer was, well, it means they're favourites for the Euros. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, what? yeah, that's a that's a. Uh, a bit of a depressing take, isn't it, in a way? Because, and actually, I quite like the fact, whilst a lot of the chat after this win has been about what does it mean for cricket in England, and that's kind of fair enough, I think. No one's really said, oh, England are favourites for the Champions Trophy or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, for the ODI Super League. Yeah. But one thing that cricket maybe has as an advantage in this area over other, over other sports is that it has different formats. So... If it only had 50 over cricket, then it would you would feel a bit kind of at a loss now. Well, now what does it mean for the England team? But actually, because there are different formats, now England need to work on their test cricket. You've got the Ashes coming up. That's something to pour your focus into. There's a T20 World Cup next year. So, th- you know, this team does have new challenges, new targets that it's going to kind of switch its attention to now. So that's not really a problem for this team. But in, in terms of the 50 over team, you do hope that they do try and establish a legacy that's not the only reason to do it it wouldn't again it wouldn't devalue this win if they don't you know don't win the next world cup but you know when they won the ashes in 2005 again when they became the number one test team in the world in 2011 that wasn't built on you know that that they created that team achieved something you got to the summit and then immediately fell away and you you hope that that's not the case this time that they do try and you know cement this this success, this team. And in in that regard, I really hope that Owen Morgan stays on. I think he will, but I, you know, he may not make the next World Cup, but that's a bit irrelevant, I think. I think he needs to he needs to keep going, uh, keep leading the team and and try and yeah, uh, keep this success going for as you know, even if it's only for a year or two. There's I don't really see the 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 point in him, you know, in a lot of players now walking away. You know, they just keep it going as long as he can, really. Yeah. I agree. I mean, there's been a lot of chat as well, hasn't there, about, you know, obviously the ECB devaluing the 50 over competition, you know, domestically. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you know, as we've said, possibly the greatest cricket match of all time. There, We'd probably written off 50 over cricket, uh, you know, a couple of, well, I had certainly a couple of years ago, but it is pretty special. When it comes off, it's pretty special. Well, well, that's the final. We've only been talking for an hour. Let's have a just just a brief chat about the tournament more generally. I mean, it, it was quite a weird final in some ways, Tony, because it involved two teams that had both lost three times earlier in the tournament. And actually, for all that you know, we've we've spoken so um, warmly about New Zealand, for all that they did heroically well to get there. Let's not forget that actually, but for a washout against India in the group stage, they might well have missed out on qualification. Yeah, if, if India, if that game hadn't been washed out and they'd lost it which is possible um pakistan would have would have pipped new zealand to to qualification so, so and, and they came through that and they came through that unbelievable match against west indies mm. uh which was po- possibly the the second best match of the tournament uh which which could have gone either way at the death i mean they were obviously they were well on top and it was uh you know the brathwaite revival 
but it, but uh, yeah, when it came to the death, it, it could easily have gone the other way. Well, so. yeah, if, if Brathwaite had got you know an extra couple of yards on that hit, goes for six, and, and West Indies win the game. So, but yeah, so the, the the fact that it was England and New Zealand who had lost three times in some ways underlines what a strange tournament this is, what a strange format it is. Now, I don't want to get into another big long conversation about the format. I've kind of said my piece on it, but what I was obviously very critical of it coming in. But I don't know. What do you think? Have, have I been made to look a fool in that regard? <laughs> How do you think it played out in terms of uh, in terms of the format? No, I think you know the quality of the the drama, the quality of the product. Uh, at the end of the day, you know that the, that final doesn't justify the format. You know it's problematic at, at best. I think. But as we say, you know, they're, they're sort of the, the powers that be have got a, a bit lucky in a way in that the, the quality of that final will make this tournament go down in history. Whereas actually, if it had just been, as you say, a one-sided encounter at the end, people would have remembered, obviously in England, they'd have been like, well, that's, you know, fantastic. We won the World Cup. But, you know, as a whole, it would have been fairly forgettable. But as yeah, as, as it is, it's kind of the, the, the finale will will carry this tournament into eternity yeah the finale colors colors it colors the memory of it in a way that is perhaps not accurate and actually not not just the finals a good couple of semi-finals as well well the england australia was very one-sided that was good if you're an england fan but definitely new zealand india was a very good game as well so yeah the 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 final stages of this tournament have perhaps given a slightly misleading impression there were some very good games i will happily concede that it was better than i thought it was going to be there were some very good games and there were more clutch games than I thought as well. They perhaps got a bit lucky there in that England lost to Sri Lanka and that one result, that one unexpected result made the end stages much more open than they you know, perhaps could have been, perhaps should have been. Um, but, you know, in four years' time, there might be a more even spread of teams. You might, you know, that might happen again. Um, and so, I think I said it at the time, so just, yeah, the fact that England had, had kind of put themselves on the brink, you know, waking up in the morning of the England-India match as an England fan, it was probably the most tense I've felt on the morning of a game that I haven't been playing in. Yeah. Be more so than the final, because I think sort of very much waking up on the morning of the final, uh, it, was, it was kind of, you know, obviously anticipation and excitement, but it wasn't that kind of gut-wrenching, like, you know, if we lose here, it's all over. Obviously, it would have been all over, but, no, but it, do you know what I mean? mean? That's, it would have been so disappointing. Well, exactly. It's not just losing; it's all over, but losing, it's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, losing the final would have been disappointing, but it wouldn't have been a disaster. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I still think, I would still maintain that it's way too long. It's, you know, nearly seven weeks long. There's no need for that at all. And they could have multiple games a day. They don't want to do that. They're not going to do that because of TV, but it just goes on way too long and you can't have this format whatever you think of the format you can't have it and have more teams which there absolutely should be so I'm not going to change my mind on it being a bad format for the World Cup I will as I say happily admit it played out in a more exciting way than I thought it would but I would not want it repeated next time but it almost certainly will be and my one kind of negative about this final is that as as you say, it, this is what people will remember, and it may well uh, license the ICC to do the exact same the exact same thing next time. And I think that would be a, a crying shame. All right, well, uh, to wrap things up then with our kind of uh, awards. Are they awards? I don't know. We're just going to talk about who's <laughs> player of the tournament, that kind of stuff. Um, well, you've said player of the tournament, Roy. I, th- I might well go for that as well. I mean. 
in terms of pure performances, it's probably Shakib, isn't it? Who uh, had the best batting average, well, was one of the leading run scorers, had the best batting average, average, I think, 85 or something with the bat, and took 11 wickets as well. But given that Bangladesh, you know, finished mid-table, it's probably hard to pick him. Williamson, obviously, officially is the man in the tournament. And, you know, hard to argue with that. But I would probably give it to Roy, which is maybe a slightly surprising thing because he's, I think, only the 10th highest run scorer. But just in terms of how vital he was to the team that won it. Yeah. And and he did, it's not like he performed badly, you know, yeah. chucking another couple of games that he missed and he may well have ended up top of the mm. the run scoring. So I was going to give you a, a team in the tournament, a composite 11, if you like, but I, I, I picked my team in the tournament a couple of days ago. And then discovered that the ICC have picked exactly the same team. So my team in the tournament is the official team of the tournament, which I can run through it if you like. It's Rohit, Roy, Williamson, Root, Shakib, Stokes, Carey, Stark, Archer, Ferguson and Bumrah. So one interesting point there is that there's four fast bowlers in that. Well, five if you include Stokes and only Shakib as the spinner. It wasn't a tournament for spinners really, was it? No, and it wasn't a tournament for big scores, was it either? It was, you know, it was a, it was a proper retro one day tournament and retro it, kits and retro play. yeah mm. and, and again you know uh yeah the, the format didn't necessarily produce a huge number of brilliant matches but those low scoring games certainly the, the semi-final involving india and new zealand and then the final were you know were, were two crackers so yeah i've got another question here best game of the tournament i guess that's it's pretty pretty obvious what the answer to that is but given uh, that we started this by saying it's the greatest cricket match of all time <laughs> but apart from the final what are the games that stand out for you? Oh, well, I think the New Zealand West Indies game. Uh, West Indies also involved in another game that would be up there was West Indies Australia right back at the start, like eleven weeks ago or something. Um, that was a very good game. England Pakistan very early on was also an excellent game. Uh, one a bit later on was Pakistan Afghanistan when it, you know uh, it was still on the line there, wasn't it? That Pakistan might be able to get through. That was an excellent finish too. Um, but yeah, it is, you know, obviously the answer is the final and the the second best is definitely West Indies, New Zealand. Yeah, and West Indies, you know, I think you're going to come on to biggest disappointments. Yeah, well, hold on, Tony. I'm, on. I'm in charge got of this one. one. Here. Yeah, I'm in charge of it. So uh, we'll we'll get on to that. But um, all right, uh, biggest disappointments <laughs> of the tournament? Well, I think West Indies, isn't okay. it? <laughs> you know, we both had them in our semi-final lineup at the start mm. of the tournament. And, and you know, they didn't, get the, they didn't get a huge amount of luck, did they? They, they lost a game... So they lost against Iran against South Africa, which they they started well and and you know arguably would have been well placed to go on and win. You know they just missed out on beating New Zealand, so they weren't. You know they probably they probably had deserved to have a slightly better showing, but even then I think they still under delivered on. Yeah, because did they finish ninth in the table? Yeah, and yeah, had those couple of things gone their way, they might have finished sixth or seventh. Yeah. But yeah, we we thought they'd do much better than that. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a toss up for me. Best of best disappointment uh it, the biggest disappointment is a bit of a toss-up between west indies and south africa like you know south africa had a, a bit of a nightmare tournament they, they were a little unfortunate in terms of ha- the feeling they were a little unfortunate that they had a very tough start didn't they so um you know playing england and india uh early doors i suppose west indies more disappointing in that i expected them to get to semi-finals i didn't think south africa would but in terms of like what it means for the future, like I still think Western, I think they've massively underperformed here, but I think West Indies have still got an incredibly talented team and a young team. 
And in terms of like the next four years and looking ahead to the next World Cup, there's reasons to be optimistic. I'm not sure the same is true in South Africa. Like I think, you know, as we talked about coming in, it's quite an old team, quite an aging squad. There are some exciting young players, but they're mainly in the bowling. And I think if you look at the batting, it looks a bit threadbare at the moment. So I think there's, there's, you know, I'd be a bit worried about the next four years if I was a South Africa fan uh, in a way, that, you know, where that's not the case for a West Indies fan. But yeah, I, I, well, I think that's pretty much it, Tone. Uh, well, I'll just add to the biggest disappointment, the win predictor. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I was looking back through some of the wickets today uh, and I noticed that when New Zealand had India five for two as Kartik was getting out, that the win predictor said 78% India. Was it India five for three at that well, point? No, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was during the, the... It flashed up during the delivery that got Kartik out for so, five for three. So just before the third yeah. wicket fell. Having, le- having lost... Ro, uh, Rohit and Kohli though right. it was so, I mean what, the, the, you know what, what's the point in flashing it up at all at that point but 78% India just seems you know a little bit I don't know a little bit uh, yeah. bold really <laughs> yeah. having lost your two best batsmen and, yeah but also I mean you know I don't know if you want me to pour on about this but you know that I have issues with the win predictor I know full stop I mean I think yeah one it's there's a problem with its accuracy. Well, I suppose, you know, they might say, well, we, we didn't say 100% India. New Zealand did win. That was, you know, that was the uh, the one in five chance did happen from that point. But it seemed, yeah, I agree that at that point it seems... So what, what yeah, exactly. What would it have been at the start? Like 99% Well, this India. Is it. it sometimes is that high and that seems very strange. And also it just swings wildly depending on, you know, someone hits a six and the wind predictor goes up, you know, 15, 20%, then a wicket falls and it goes back down 20%. And you think, well, what's actually the point of this uh, if it's if it's that erratic? Uh, I think, yeah, uh, during the uh, New Zealand innings in the final, there was the score predictor, which is obviously slightly different, but it's uh, predicting what score, clues in the name, uh, the team going to end up on. And they had it up on the screen and England bowled a dot ball and the score predictor went up by two runs. It's like, well, I just, this is absurd. But my other, my main problem with it, even if you made it more accurate, I don't want it. Just get rid of it. I, I don't know what it adds. It, It's both pointless, but also to me somehow joyless. Like, I, it just takes, it, even if you knew that it was accurate, like, why are we watching this then? Like, one of the great things about cricket is that you're all the time, you know, trying to make calculations on which team you think's on top. If you've just got someone kind of spoon feeding to you, oh, mathematically, this is the situation. Not only doesn't add anything, I think it actually detracts from the experience. And I, I, I just, I just don't want it. No, I agree. And actually, I think you know, in terms of sort of good World Cups, bad World Cups, bad World Cup, I think the on-screen graphics have been or the the new the innovations this world cup's innovations i don't think we'll see again or we shouldn't see again the 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 graphic that flashes up showing the distance between fielders is <laughs> yeah. just pointless uh the who's won what phases is baffling to me to interpret visually <laughs> uh let alone like your mum you know like yeah. you know in time you know, and it's not it's not all the same thing but you know in terms of going forward to the hundred if they you know the ecb are trying to make it cricket more accessible and you know it is like you know, visually, the the, the sort of the, the, all the numbers and everything. You know, it's not the the most straightforward thing to interpret. But impenetrable. And so, I think that takes things the other way. So, mm. I'd say bad. That well, also because who's won what phase means nothing. Yeah, it's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. Get rid of that. Uh, good World Cup, Ian Smith. People have been loving him more than ever. Who's Ian Smith? Oh, Ian Smith. <laughs> Smuth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, good for him. And I think uh, the ICC website team. So I'm going to give a good World Cup. I think the the uh, I think the Cricket World Cup website is brilliant. Wow. And also, uh, you know, a very nice edit, you know, for the social media people, the uh, the sort of three minute edit of, of the finale of Sunday was pretty special too. So good, good, good on them for that. The World Cup website better than the Fantasy League website? Yeah, I really, I, I, what was even the final result? I don't know. <laughs> Genuinely, I got really uh, lost in that. I'm such a fair weather Fantasy League because <laughs> yeah. it started going wrong two weeks in. I just haven't checked it since then. We need we to... We should probably pull it up. Like, let me get my phone. Yeah, go on, because we need to get... There will be some people who did, like... The winners, I'm sure, were frantically updating yeah. every day. We should give them some credit. The reason that lost interest was that I'd have a... What I thought I considered to be a brilliant day... And I would, the ranking wouldn't change. So yeah. I was like, oh, I've give, given up. Do you want to... Yeah, you're grabbing your phone. Yeah. Cool, it's quite warm in here, isn't it? All right, let's have a look. Well, bearing in mind, I didn't change my team for the last like three weeks of the tournament. Uh, I finished overall rank 20,775th. That's not bad. Top 21,000. Uh, so in our private league, I finished 13th overall. That's pretty good. To say you didn't change. Well, that's it. it, but it just didn't change. So uh, the winner was Anne Kess, you know. Right. He took the first place. So congratulations to you. If and you're w- listening, Anne Casino, well done. How far down do I need to go to get to you? Probably pretty far. He's still scrolling. 33rd, I think, is you. Adam Bah, 17 GH. To be fair, I don't think I really moved. <laughs> no, exactly. The, the whole tournament. Uh, so, I mean, that's a bit of a disappointment, I, I would say. Uh, didn't didn't quite work for me. Well, well done to Anne Casino. Great effort. I think that's it, Tone, is it? That's it for the World Cup. Uh, it's a bit weird now, isn't it? I, like, there's no cricket on. I do, I do miss it. I miss having the cricket on every day. For all that the World Cup is way too long, it does feel a bit weird not having live text to read while you're at work. Um, but as you say, we do only have two weeks before the Ashes start. On the 1st of August. Now, normally we would bring at least one, if not two, bumper preview podcasts ahead of an Ashes series. I I just don't know if we're going to be able to do that. We may be able to do it. Probably not two, but we may be able to do one. I just don't know. Because I'm, I'm, as we said at the top, I'm about to disappear on paternity leave any day now. Uh, and it's just very hard to say vanish. what kind of uh, time I'm going to have in the next couple of weeks. But we will definitely be back after the first Ashes test, which finishes, what, the 5th of August? So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, you uh, you bought me a birthday present. This is this is the thing that happens, I guess, when you become a parent already. Presents for me are presents for my child. Yeah. Uh, for my birthday, you bought my son um, an England cricket baby grow. Yeah. It was genuinely touching. Aww. There you go. I mean, I suspect your girlfriend may have had something to do because you've never bought me a present in your <laughs> life. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a real positive influence really on my present giving. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, thanks for that. So I'll, I'll post a picture of that at some point yeah. when the when the little blight is here. Uh, okay, so yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, to talk about the ashes in, in, one form or another, in one form or another. Until then... Uh, get involved on our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Cricket Show 
Uh, we're on Instagram at World Cricket Show. Send us an email if you want to take issue with something that we've said uh, on the pod today. And if you've enjoyed our podcasts uh, throughout the World Cup, you might consider giving us a star rating and a review on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, or whatever podcast platform you use because it yeah, it's a it's a massive help in uh, yeah spreading the word about the show. But that's it, really. Oh, I meant to say as well, uh, good stuff in Gibraltar. This is why oh, we cheers. haven't done a podcast yeah. for a couple of weeks. You've been uh, out in Gibraltar covering the Island Games for Channel yeah, Island TV. Yeah, arguably the biggest sporting event that's taking place over the last week. Yeah, yeah. You did some cracking broadcasting out there. Did you have fun? Cheers, mate. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, very enjoyable. It's probably like it's you know obviously Sunday was was unbelievable, uh, but the Island Games is pretty special. It's kind of you know everyone's just it's a, it's a good mix of people. Everyone's very friendly very accessible uh and some really good sport yeah i said someone on twitter asked if you know when the next podcast would be i said well you can't do it at the moment because tony's in gibraltar for the island games and he pointed out that gibraltar's not an island it's a good point so he thought maybe you were having me on (laughs) 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 he'd actually just gone to i don't know magaleaf yeah i was tempted all right well cheers tone uh all that's left for me to say i guess is stay in school and uh yeah i'm off to have a baby so i'll see you soon Good luck. Cheers. Bye for now. Each day, year, 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 year,